Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Intrepid Times podcast. I'm Jennifer Roberts, and I'm here with Nathan Thomas. Now, listeners of the podcast will know Nathan as the founder of Intrepid Times, and you'll be used to hearing from him quite often as we often jump on here to discuss, you know, all things travel writing. Today is different. Um, today, for this podcast, I've actually invited Nathan to be an interviewee so we can discuss his new book, you know, recently released. Um, the title of that book is Untethered, Living the Digital Nomad Life in an Uncertain World. Uh, it's always, you know, a super great pleasure to talk with authors, but, you know, I have to say there's something extra special <laughs> um, when it, that author is part of the Intrepid Times family. Um, so I'm really excited to talk with you today, Nathan. Thank you, Jen. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be on the other side of the desk. And thank you so much for suggesting this. Um, as is the case whenever a book comes out, you do a handful of interviews. I've, I've done a few here and there, but this one feels like being uh, at home. So I look forward to taking folks behind the scenes, talking about the travel writing side and you know whatever you want to ask. Um, I've kind of seen this book kind of throughout its kind of whole process. Um, so, you know, I've got another interesting view of this particular book. Um, so there's a lot of interesting things I think we can talk about here. Um, but let's start with just some of what's actually in the book, um, because I think that there, you know, this book, I think, brings a really interesting and new perspective to this idea of the digital nomad. Um, you know, a lot of travel writers, I think, kind of have this dream of kind of living that lifestyle. And, you know, the point you make in your book is essentially like a lot of people don't really understand what that looks like. Um, so you attempt in the book to shed light on, you know, what's good about that lifestyle, what's bad about that lifestyle, what's difficult, what's easy, um, you know, how people can go about starting that lifestyle if they want. Um, so, yeah, there's just there's a lot here that's worth talking about. Why don't we start kind of with, you know, the introduction to the book. There's this great scene and I don't want to give too much of it away, but, you know, in this in the start of this book, you're kind of talking about how you've attended this kind of casual seminar on, you know, I think the topic was actually how to be a digital nomad. Um, it ends up being quite, you know, a funny scene because the presenter you know, assumes that everyone listening at this seminar is already in this position to, you know, just kind of ease into this lifestyle or is already kind of living that lifestyle. Um, so he's kind of like giving tips, you know, that don't really help people who, you know, actually want to like start living that lifestyle. They're not already there. So, you know, you kind of came away from that seminar, you know, kind of confused and like what just happened. You talk about how that seminar was kind of what propelled you to write this particular book. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about the kinds of information you were kind of bumping up against, you know, as you yourself started, you know, to live the digital nomad lifestyle and how you wanted and attempted to change that narrative with your own book. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, it's a good question. So to set the scene, I'm sure many people listening to this have experienced similar moments online or in person where someone has put themselves up as an avatar of a certain lifestyle, a certain way of being to which you may aspire, you know, and you're like, oh, I want to learn how they do it. But what they say, even though it may be inspiring and cool, at the end, you leave it being like, but what do I do? Like, 
you, you don't have a plan, you don't know the exact steps. And I remember speaking to other people who were there at that seminar who were like, but you know, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my situation? So one of the goals with Untethered is that if you read it, whether you're kind of a freelancer or an aspiring freelancer, whether you have a business or you don't, whether you have a job or you don't, whether you work in an office or you work remotely, like whatever it is, you have a step-by-step -step plan to transition to being either a permanent or part-time digital nomad. Um, that's that's the goal. So it's like different ways that you can actually make this happen through my experience and through other people's experience uh, as well. And so I think that the book does a really nice job of that. And, you know, you just mentioned, you know, through your perspective and through other people's perspective. And that's also one of the things that I think is really strong in Untethered is, you know, as part of your process of writing it, you interviewed a bunch of, you know, quote unquote, digital nomads. And they're all very different in the way that they've approached being a digital nomad. You know, some of them are business owners, some of them are freelancers, you know, some of them work, you know, physical jobs, you know, in different places at different times, you know, what have you. And I think it actually, you could have written this book just with, you know, the plethora of experience that you yourself have being a digital nomad. So I wonder if you can just talk about your reasoning behind, you know, bringing other perspectives in and what those interviews ended up adding to the book as a whole. Yeah, good question. I, th I think one of them is to try and avoid this kind of like fallacy of success or arrival, because I don't necessarily want to characterize the sort of crazy, bumbling, uh, hilarious 10 years that I document in the book as being uh, only success. There were failures and frustrations too, and I tried to uh, convey both because I want to convey the reality. But it's like to, to make a travel metaphor. If you arrive in a city and you meet someone who's there and say, how did you get here? He's going to say, well, I took the train. And that implies that the only way to get there to, is to take the train. If, if you follow my analogy, people who have achieved something a certain way, when they give advice, it's easy to get the impression that the way they achieve it is the only way to do it. And I've always known through many other people that I've, I've met on the road that there are many different ways to get here. And I wanted people to relate and to see themselves in the advice. Like in some ways that I am kind of, I guess, demographically and in terms of the work that I do a little bit more digital nomad stereotypical um, than I would like to convey than is actually representative. So the stereotype of the digital nomad is probably like as I was when I wrote the book, I'm a bit or when I started conceptualizing the book, like a late 20s, early 30s something person kind of tech savvy who works online. And that was representative of me, even though I was a writer and not you know, some sort of programmer, but it's not the only way that you can be a digital nomad. You can be a lot older, you can be younger, you can be not tech savvy, you can do completely different things to what I did. And I wanted to convey all of those, that possibility to folks. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that that was, you know, one of the big successes of the book. You know, I really liked that part where, you know, what you're talking about, there are a lot of different ways to do the digital nomad thing. And, you know, there are a lot of stereotypes around it, like you're saying. And, I think that that can make people feel a lot of pressure, you know, well, I don't fit into this particular box, so can I actually do this thing? Um, so yeah, I think the book, you know, opens up a lot of possibilities. So yeah, thanks for that. And, you know, talking about that idea of pressure, you know, there's one, well, actually one of my favorite parts of the book. Digital nomads, I think, tend to feel this kind of pressure to kind of be always traveling. 
um, you know, whether that's, you know, just to like keep up appearances on their Instagram feed or, you know, to live up to expectations of friends and family, like, oh yeah, they're just like always traveling. They're always doing this. And so I think a lot of people, when they start living like a digital nomad, they tend to see it as like a bit of a failure to, you know, maybe stop traveling or stop moving around for a while, even if it's just for short periods. But it, there's a part in Untether where you talk about this, you know, how it can be really important and, you know, maybe even inevitable that digital nomads will take the time to slow down and stay in one place for a given amount of time. And I wonder, you know, can you talk a little bit about that that idea of stillness and, you know, how it's worked for you in particular as a digital nomad? Yeah, great question. I, I think like a lot of people, when I first started traveling in a serious way, I would do so relentlessly, just trying to get as many cities, as many countries down as possible. When I was 17, 18 and traveling through uh, Australia and Europe, I would rarely spend more than one night in a city. And and that was fairly typical. And then as I got older, it slowed down a little, but the pace was still pretty fast. I mean, moving home or country every month or two or three was fairly common. But that's, first of all, it's very, like, quite exhausting. There's a lot of administration and logic involved. Second of all, there is an opportunity cost. Like, yes, you can make friends and network and establish communities, even if you're only in places briefly. And I talk about ways to do that. There's a certain depth that you discover when you get to know a place through the different seasons. And that was important. And then there's also the kind of personal aspect. If your whole identity is defined by constantly traveling, it's how others see you and it's how you see yourself, not doing that um, for a while and untethering yourself, if you will, from that identity. And in some ways that's, as Dumbledore would say, that's the next great adventure. It's a whole different thing. So it is new and challenging and and novel. And you tempted quite often, or at least I am always, whenever I'm pissed off with something or frustrated by something or, or excited, <laughs> travel is always the thing that comes to mind, like just just go somewhere, just move on to the next place. But if you resist that, even though it feels physically difficult to do so, you learn a lot too and, and you grow in different ways. So whilst travel is always still, I mean, I didn't cure myself of that travel bug and I've still been traveling a lot um, doing months overseas. It's not that many months since that I got back to Europe from Asia. So it's not something I'm free of and I don't think it will ever be at least I hope not but taking the approach of actually creating a base and a home somewhere an actual physical home what was that was new to me after 10 years of the quote-unquote nomad thing and I and I brought it together I think it made a natural kind of destination point for the book kind of ironically you know you mentioned you know this way that digital nomads tend to define themselves by you know, their desire or their ability to just like kind of stay moving and, you know, always be traveling. You know, do you think it's possible to be, you know, quote unquote, a digital nomad and not define yourself by, you know, constant movement? Is there a way to define yourself as a person outside of that so that, you know, when you do stop moving, you know, your identity doesn't kind of just like completely fall apart? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think so. I mean, 
fundamentally part of travel has always been performative, hasn't it? That ever since the old days of the Grand Tour, where, you know, the young aristocracy of England would travel to Europe, tell everyone about it, to now days of Instagram and hopefully uh, at its best uh, travel writing, traveling and being seen to travel are pretty inextricably linked. And you get yourself in a cycle there where all of us in our lives at some point are a concoction of projected expectations. And that's cool if it's useful and empowering, but it's not cool if it traps you. So I suppose the way to square that circle is to say that by applying the techniques and strategies of the digital nomad, what you engineer for yourself is freedom. And that's freedom to go. And it's also freedom to stay. It's that you're disconnected from a geographic obligation. You don't have to be in the place where you were born or where your job was or where your university was. But you can be if you so choose. Yeah, you know, you and I have both, I think I think you finished it. We both recently read uh, The Travel Writing Tribe by Tim Hannigan. And, you know, in that book, he does talk about, he gets this impression that a lot of travel writers actually do have this kind of sense of, you know, rootedness or, you know, a place to go back to. Um, and I think that's kind of what you said you've found, right? You know, you've gotten to the point where, you know, you've tamed the travel bug enough that you've been able to, you know, figure out how to stay in one place for, you know, a more extended amount of time. And I, you know, I have to wonder, you know, what connection does that have to your writing life? You know, when you found yourself writing untethered, did you find that writing was more productive when you were kind of at your, you know, base, <laughs> you know, your house, your apartment? Or were you more productive when you were actually on the road traveling, kind of gaining new ideas and new perspectives? Yeah, for, for me, I, I need both. I mean, I am more productive in just a purely mechanical sense when I don't have the enormous weight and administration of travel. It's a huge cognitive load figuring out, especially during COVID times, you know, figuring out the logistics and visas and just all of that stuff. I mean, that takes an awful lot of time. And then there's the added weight of dealing with time zones and, and everything on top of that. So not having that cognitive load, being able to settle into some kind of routine, that's good for left brain productivity. Um, but in terms of that, in order to do like, for me, this is not true of everybody, but just for me, in order to do quote unquote real travel writing, so not an article that I've sold to somebody, not something that a client has paid me to write, but just me sitting at a computer and this is what I want to say. Like, this is exciting to me. Um, I find that a little bit of chaos, a little bit of stirring things up sends that, like really helps with that. And there's something, I had this moment, and I suppose this was a commercial article, but I did a couple of pieces for um, a Lonely Planet book that's out now on um, Gourmet Trails Europe. And I did the chapter, I wrote the chapter on Tirana, Albania, when it was 4.30 in the morning, at an airport in Buenos Aires and our flight was late. So I thought, oh, I was gonna use this time and write this thing. And there's something about that, that again, I, I know it's almost like the story of it is something that I like, but there's also something about just being in that moment, writing about somewhere on the other side of the world, whilst also kind of 
being in a different travel moment that like I absolutely loved. I mean, I'm not going to be doing that every day, but there's something kind of exciting and motivational and a little bit bonkers about that. And that craziness is a form of energy. It's an energy source. You can't only tap into that. You also need to be normal sometimes and to sleep in and to go to bed at normal hours and to do your account books, you know, and and just organize stuff. And there are different types of productivity, I think, for different moments. You know, you talk about different types of productivity and you do a lot of different types of writing. I mean, you do commercial stuff, you do narrative travel writing. And, you know, Untethered is not the typical kind of like narrative travel writing that you do when you, you know, write a piece for Intrepid Times, for example, you know, Intrepid Times is very narrative travel based, you know, it's an eye telling a story about what they did. Untethered is not exactly that. Um, But I wonder, you know, how your, you know, quote unquote, typical travel writing, the kind of stuff you do for Intrepid Times, how that maybe informed the way that you wrote Untethered. Yeah, so Untethered kind of arose, had like a lot of books, it had a couple of different forces that drove it into being. And one was, you know, my desire to correct the record on the digital nomad thing and actually provide something helpful here. And fortunately, this was something that I kind of knew was a good proposition for a publisher because there is a market here. It's very obvious what it's about and it has a very clear benefit for the reader. So all of these things are good in nonfiction publishing. But it kind of began originally just that it was kind of when COVID was kind of receding into recent memory and I was still uh, for the first time in a while and I had some time and I just had a lot of stories to tell and a lot to get off my chest. And I wrote a lot of like more traditional travel writing much of it is in the book, but probably more than much more than what is in the book actually didn't make it into the final book. It was just cathartic. But what did remain had a few things in common that it revealed that tension between work and travel, between the kind of losing yourself chaos of the road and the being responsible and getting stuff done and trying to build a f- business or freelancing business or to work whilst travel in the midst of all this and trying to travel and enjoy travel whilst dealing with these kind of more quote-unquote normal obligations and because of these challenges were demonstrated by those stories it made sense to pair them with practical advice and then when there was practical advice that I wanted to make alive and not boring and not just a list of bullet points I would tell the story from my own experience that would illustrate what happens if you do this right or what happens to you uh, if you if this goes wrong? Yeah, and you know I I do think that you know the travel writing you know the traditional travel writing that made its way into the book does provide a really really nice contrast to yeah I think you I think you hit it on the head right where that's if you're a digital nomad you're gonna feel this tension between well, I have to kind of work and put my head down and just get this done and then there's this moment where you're like, oh, I'm done with work. Like, I'm going to go out and like see this really cool new place. You know, that happens in the book too, where you have these moments where we kind of enter your own like travel story, um, an actual narrative that has made its way into, into Untethered. And, you know, it feels for a second a little bit strange, like, oh, this this wasn't what I was like reading before. But then you, you kind of settle into it. And 
And I think that it reflects the way that it feels to be this person who's traveling and working and trying to balance all of that, because I think it can be a really tough thing. And, you know, maybe those moments where, you know, it feels a little bit sudden, like, oh, this changed, like, oh, this is something different. You know, those those moments happen a lot um, as somebody who travels and is a digital nomad or somebody who just, you know, maybe takes a long vacation. I mean, these these things happen. And I like I like the way that that plays in the book a lot. And, you know, this isn't your first book. Um, people will probably already know that you published another book, uh, Travel Your Way. Uh, I guess it's been a couple of years now uh, since that was published. And I wonder how the writing process felt different for Untether. You know, you already had a book under your belt. You had gone through the process once already. You maybe kind of already knew what was working and what didn't, you know, what helped you write, what didn't help you write. You know, did it feel different when you kind of jumped into the second book? Yeah, yeah. So the the first book, the Travel Your Way. So I wrote that in what feels like a world that no longer exists. And I was certainly a very different person than it was 2019, so four years ago. But everything on the other side of that COVID thing just feels so much longer. And it was a time in my life when life felt a lot lighter. So I was living in Budapest at the time, and I had a lot of free time on my hands. And so I would spend a lot of the days at various cafes or bars around the beautiful old city, just reading and writing. And that was so much fun. And then I guess Travel Your Way was the answer to the question, not what is the meaning of travel? What is the point of it after that whole being in your teens and early 20s backpacking, and now you want to actually do it on a deeper, more meaningful level? What are some lessons there? And, you know, the, there are folks who really, the, the book had an audience and I've had some really gratifying conversations and interviews with folks who really got it and it really helped them. And I think it represented like a set moment in my life. And I think for a certain kind of traveler that wants more from the travels, but kind of wants permission to go a little bit deeper and maybe some structure to get a little bit below the surface that helped but I, I feel with untethered not only did i have four more years writing experience like writing everyday professionally writing experience and you get better if you do that but but also a lot more self-knowledge and life experience so i think it's a, a much more realized product it knows its audience better it knows its purpose better hopefully it reads better i don't know <laughs> um but i feel a little bit more confident about it i, I think every writer probably does feel more connected to their more recent work like of course like like 2019 is a it's a long time ago i mean just to get to the core of it was untethered easier to write i mean after four extra years of writing experience and travel experience was it easier yeah i mean it's i really like kind of what you pointed out before that untethered itself is kind of like half travel and half business and writing it was kind of like that too i mean the the first maybe 20, 30,000 words, only probably 10, 15,000 of which made it into the book, was just like pure cathartic, like furious writing, getting stories off my chest that I just had to tell that I didn't even think, you know, just would sit down and then an hour would disappear or two hours and there'd be words. And that was the fun half, but also like the necessary half, the get off your chest half. 
and then the main bulk of the writing it just kind of felt like my job you know like i have to sit down today and write a chapter on this theme and that's what i do for work um so that was just work <laughs> like it wasn't easy it wasn't hard it was just normal and you know i think that there are probably a lot of people listening who you know they're they're listening to how you know oh wow this is you know your second book like it's so productive like how does he get these things done like you know writing a travel article in itself can feel like kind of difficult like getting a thousand words on a page can feel kind of difficult you know when you're looking at you know a book length piece uh that can feel you know almost insurmountable um so for people listening who kind of want to maybe move from writing travel articles to writing a travel book you know, is there anything you've learned from writing now two books to maybe help people on that path? Yeah, it's very hard. Sits down, well, not no one, but <laughs> certainly <laughs> I don't sit down and just write a book. You know, it's and the idea of doing that is scary. So I almost need to trick myself until I have around 20, 30,000 words, like a solid backbone. I need to trick myself into thinking that I'm not writing a book, that I'm just sitting down <laughs> to write a thousand words today or this week. And anyone can sit down and write a thousand words in a week. You know, a thousand words in a week is a just a normal week. Like it's a very unproductive re- week if you're a professional writer, <laughs> but it's just like if you're balancing writing with a full-time job, a thousand words in a week, you can do it. And then if you do that after six months, you know, you have 20 something thousand words and that's a backbone. And then once I have that backbone in place, then I can admit to myself that I'm writing a book because it's kind of like, it's almost too late to turn back now. You have all the stuff there and you're more just pushing it into place. But for that first 20 odd thousand words, I have to trick myself into thinking that I'm not writing a book. Good. So if anybody is interested in picking up Untethered, where can they find it? If our good listeners are in uh, Australia and New Zealand, uh, you can grab it now. You can hopefully find it at good bookstores everywhere. For our listeners in the United States, Canada, the UK, uh, Europe, and the rest of the world, the book will be out on September the 12th. You may be able to get a Kindle or audiobook version a little bit earlier, but September the 12th for the main release. Uh, All of the links to various stores online um, around the world are in Intrepid Times. If you go on intrepidtimes.com slash books, uh, books plural, intrepidtimes.com slash books, you can find all the links to grab your copy. Uh, Please pre-order if you're in the States or UK. That really helps the magic Amazon algorithms without which we writers cannot long survive. So yeah, look forward to hearing what folks think. Yeah, and I have uh, read the book. Uh, I love the book. Please head on over to to the links that Nathan has suggested. Um, The book is waiting for you there. And uh, thanks so much, Nathan. This has been great talking about your book and uh, congrats on on the publication. Thanks so much, Jen. Thanks for this. And thanks for playing a role uh, as you always do in editing (laughs) and providing feedback on my book. Uh, You made it much better than it would have otherwise been. And thanks for the conversation. (laughs) Thanks, Nathan.